Blog Talk Radio. Yes, yes, yep. Welcome to the Jay-Z Extravaganza. I'd like to introduce my band right now. Just blaze in the blaze at. Right now I want you to get a drummer song. No mind really. Get a drummer song. Touch the untouchable, break the unbreakable, shake the unshakable. It's holy, baby. Can't the un- uh, uh, rock the It's holy, baby. Follow the flow. Look, they say your men just standing on a giant show that can see much further than the giant. So I got the whole rap world on my shoulder. They trying to see further than I am. And I have been trying to be patient with their preoccupation with David and Goliath. Goliath. But sooner or later that patience's gonna run its cost and I'm forced to be a tyrant. Be a tyrant. For me and tyrant coming through your environment. Iron mass, nigga, iron gas, nigga, iron back. With the team, no iron that. ROC, y'all not iron that. Y'all don't see clearly cause the rain ain't gone. The dynasty, no, not Ming, but Sean, Dane, Kareem. Nigga, it's the gangster team. Stop your run, one of the reasons that they call us gang green. The other reason we got a gang of green. If there's better, it getting cheddar that remains to be seen. Nigga. Touch the untouchable, break the unbreakable, shake the unshakable. It's holy, baby. Can't see the unseeable, reach the unreachable, do the impossible. It's holy, baby. Can't move the unmovable, yeah. stop the unstoppable. I'm so far. Yo, yo. Yo, yo, and yo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, well, shouldn't be no children on the lines, but if you are. Welcome to the Skybox. The first Skybox oh, wow. for the month of March. <sighs> what it do? You know, just chilling. Yeah, same here. Same here. Yeah, man. You got a lot to talk about tonight, man. You know, that's man, the that introduced us on DTC chat. Welcome to another edition of the Skybox. We got a lot to talk about, so why don't we just get right into it? Sure. Yeah. I want to start. Right off, I want to start off with that that fourteen second fight from the past weekend. Ronda Rousey. I know. I know teenage virgins that last longer than that fight. I'm just saying. It takes longer to cook one minute rice. I mean, like, I mean, if you look at a lot of Ronda fights, they're not long. <laughs> she's, like, if you add up the combined time of each fight that she's been in so far since she's been in the UFC, you don't add up to 30 minutes. I mean, is her competition that off, or is she really that good? Honestly, she, I mean, she's really good. I mean, you can't take nothing away from a girl. She is dangerous. She is good. I will say that. One thing I will say, though, is Kat made the mistake, and a lot of people 
you made mention of this. Cap made the mistake of rushing in on Ronda, and that's how she ended up in that armbar that ended up ending the, the fight 14 seconds in. She should have, you know, made Ronda come to her and make Ronda beat her another way. But instead, she basically handed the match to her. So, I mean, I very think quickly. that Rousey is a very, very talented fighter, and she's showing it. So I think maybe a part of it is that the competition may not be up to snuff, but I'm sure that the competition will get tougher for her as, as she continues her uh, UFC career. So, well, right now she's one of the best female MMA fighters out here. I mean, that she is. I mean, God. I mean, I mean, I can't find a way to explain. I mean. She is really the top female in UFC. She's the top female in mixed martial arts. She's one of the best UFC has to offer. I mean, she's one of their biggest. She's one of their biggest stars. I mean, you can't take that away from her. I mean, ever since her first match, she has been. She, I mean, she has really been that white star. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree there. That she's just, she's been on an amazing run, and a lot of her fights aren't have been short, which you know begs the question: What if she gets a very tough, daunting opponent and has to go to distance? Can she go to distance? I mean, that's that's an interesting question. I guess we're going to find out sooner or later. Hopefully it yep. will happen. I mean, hopefully if her and Cyborg, uh, Cyborg get it on, that could be her toughest challenge to date. Very true. Well, like I said, just keep an eye on it and let's see what happens. Maybe she, maybe she doesn't have competition. Or maybe whoever is the toughest competition just... She'll, she'll know how to beat him. So that's that's basically how it's how it's looking. Yeah, and right now she's just looking too unbeatable. She might have to they might stop putting her putting her in the octagon against me. Yeah. Hmm. That that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Oh man. Well, I mean, oh, your boy John Jones is looking to get back into that heavyweight division. They're talking about him going against Shane Vasquez. Yeah, John Jones must that them them drugs he's on must be really messing with his brain if he really thinks he can jump up to the heavyweight division and be successful. He might want to stay in his own lane and not try to venture out outside of his comfort zone. No, no, I mean I ain't gonna put that in the past him. He has the ability to do it. However, a lot comes. A lot comes along with 
going to a jumping to another division. I mean, you jumping to another weight class. I mean, that's no that's no easy that's no easy walk that's no walking apart. You're going to, I mean, you're going to get guys who have been in who have been in that weight class since their entire careers, who has more experience fighting men that big. Now you're going against heavier guys, stronger guys, harder hitting guys. I mean, I'm not saying he can't do it, but I hope he's ready to do it. I just, I just don't see how wise it would be for him to jump up weight classes, especially with the the controversy he has with the failed drug test and everything like that. I just, I just don't see how wise that would be. I think he's been successful in his current weight class, and I think that he needs to stick with that out because I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of, a lot of competition that'll come in. Over the next, you know, over in the future, that will definitely, you know, get him up to snuff and get him to a point where he has to continue to compete to be successful. Going up to the heavyweight division, he will, he'll get exposed. I'll be very honest with you, he'll get exposed. I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm he could get exposed, but at the same time, I think he. He has he has the ability to, the ability to adapt. Plus, I mean, I can understand him wanting a heavier challenge. I'm not going to take that away from him. I mean, John Jones has been dominant, even with all his recent problems. I'm not going to put that in the past, this guy. I mean, there's been a few fighters, period, that have been able to jump weight classes. Yeah, so, I mean, there's only two things that you can do. You can adapt and, do- and continue to dominate, or you can get lost and pretty much give his career away. Well, one of those two is going to happen, so let's see, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, like I said, I mean... By the way, for anybody out there listening, you know, me and Chills are both live tweeting the show, so if you want to, you know, follow us on on Twitter, you can follow me at DC Peoples Champ, and you can follow uh, Chills at Cool G Chills, that's cool with a K, and that with a Z. You can follow us on Twitter, interact with us, all that stuff. You can also follow Two Sides of the Story Productions on Twitter. That will be at TSOTS Productions. Again, that's at C S O T S production. And we all over for you. Awesome. Yeah, man. Woo! So you oh. wait, you hey chill. So your boy Ray Rice, man, got him some some bread from the Ravens, man. Yeah, he did. <laughs> well, what was it? One point six million? It was close to one point six million. Exact figure is a one point five eight eight million dollars. Good job, Baltimore. Good job, Here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing, and I'm reading the story now, 
and this is from uh, ESPN.com. As a result of the settlement, the Ravens will carry an additional $177,000 against their cap in 2015. Um, They originally had a $1.411 million cap charge um, against them in the 2014 cap when the um, rights filed his grievance, so now the additional 177000 carries over in 2015. So if they were thinking about signing anything, they got a little less room on the cap than they originally thought. Yeah, man. Since we're on the subject of Ray Rice, there's been quite a few things that have shown interest in Ray Rice. One of those teams have been the Dallas Cowboys, who could be letting DeMarco Murray walk this season. Here's my question. I mean, Ray Rice is a great back, but he's 29, and he's missed a complete season. How much of a risk do you take on him? I think you take I think you take a minimal risk on him. I don't say you don't take the risk. I just say that it needs to be a minimal risk. I mean, because yes, he is twenty nine. Usually when a running back hit you know, gets up to their thirties, that's when they go into a decline and then it's even worse that he actually missed an entire season. But one thing about Ray Rice is Ray Rice has always been talented. Talented running back. And I know that, you know, he'll get himself in the game shape and he'll be ready to go. And, I mean, Dallas getting ready to let DeMarco Murray walk because they didn't put the franchise tag on him. I think that they they could use somebody like Ray Rice in their offense. Um, And this is uh, somebody who's a Redskins fan talking about that. Maybe, you know, he, he might be, maybe he could fit in that Dallas offense. You know, now that they're going to keep Des Bryant for at least one more year, and then, you know, you got the, you know, Witten and everybody else in that hellacious offensive line, maybe he's what they need. You have a point there. I mean, that offensive line is no joke. I mean, you, you think about it, I mean, they get it done. I mean, that offensive line is probably one of the best I've seen in a very long time. I mean, as far as blocking for the run, run blocking, oh, that's second to no one. I mean, they had times where they, get, they got Tony Romo ate up on the season, but that's still a solid offensive line. And the fact that most of that line is very young, they still have a lot of football left in them, it's going to be scary. Honestly, I think any – I think – any running back that comes into that that comes to the Dallas Cowboys behind that offensive line will be straight. I mean, with offensive like that, it doesn't it doesn't even matter who the running back is. I mean, it would it would be a pain to see Demarco. I mean, Demarco Murray get his walking papers, but. At the same time, I mean, the value of running backs ain't this ain't what it was a few years ago. The vi- I mean, the market form isn't even the same. I mean, right now, running backs is 
the running back position is the most disposable, the most replaceable out of any position, including the kicker on the football team. Like, you know, not to not to try to suddenly change subjects, but you know, once again, I'm on I'm on Twitter and I just saw an article come up about um, Albert Hainsworth saying that he lost his love for football when he came to the Redskins because there's parallels between him and the talk that uh, Indomitian Sue is being vetted to you know is being uh, pursued by the by the home team here. To come on and be a part of their defense, which uh, I'm kind of on the fence about that. About having Indomitian Sue here in DC, I'm, I'm on the fence. I don't, you know, a part of me is like that'd be cool to have him on the line and then really open it up for you know Kerrigan and Morgan and Morgan uh, and stuff like that. But the other part of me is like, do we really want? a guy who's got the reputation of being one of the dirtiest players in the league in D.C. to create more drama, drama-filled drama storylines than what we already have. Okay, I'm about, I'm about to shine some, light on, shine some light on it here. Okay. I thought about the whole Hainsworth Part 2 thing. Then I thought about it. I compared Hainsworth to Nadamika Sue. Two different athletes. You had Albert Hainsworth who got bought in here for $100 million after he only had one good season in Tennessee. You have Nadamika Sue, four-time pro bowler in five seasons. A man who could easily get eight sacks coming from the nose tackle position. You have a faster, a stronger, Athletic defensive tackle. Hainsworth was fat and lazy. Dominic Sue is not lazy. He's a workhorse. He's a discipline. I ain't gonna say he's a complete discipline player, but he's a hard worker. He's no slouch on the field. Everybody talks about his dirty reputation. What has he done on the field? There ain't one time where he was dirty on the field. I could look at Elbert Hainsworth and point out a few. Like the game he was, they played against the Cowboys when he, was in, when he was in Tennessee, when he stepped on one of the Cowboys' faces with a squeak. Oh, man. I mean, you could go on and on, but at the end of the day, Hainsworth should have never been here. He was a bum, and he was lazy. He had one good year in Tennessee. If he, the fact that he had the nerve to say that he lost his passion for football when he came to D.C., he needs to get back all that money that he got from the Redskins. Because your passion was never there. Your work ethic was never there. Your attitude towards the game, your willingness to want to win wasn't there. Everything that Everything about Albert Hainsworth was negative. He had a reputation of being 
a dirty player. He's had he's been suspended most of the times before he came to Tennessee. He was never known for his work ethic. He was always known to be a lazy football player. I hate to say it, but I knew he was gonna be a hundred million dollar bust. I look at him, I look at Adamica, you can't compare him. I'm sorry. No matter where Adamica Sue goes, he will shine. You have all these Redskins haters trying to throw out their, oh, Hainsworth Jr., ha, 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 ha. Go fuck yourself. Adamica Sue is a different person. He's someone that cares about his career. He's someone that cares about winning. He's someone that that cares about his craft. And I'm done. <laughs> and we are here now. I'm just saying. I mean, uh, and plus, I, I do want to add on something. His dirty reputation could actually be used. Could be used. I mean, we could use some kind of toughness on the skin. We could use a bad guy here. We can. I mean, we could. I mean, we could use some. We could use some toughness. We could use somebody that can actually put fear in the opposing offenses. You know, the free agency. You know, the free agency. You know, free agency is getting ready to really jump off officially. I believe this coming Tuesday, but yep. this past Monday, it was a a lot of lot going on in terms of you know players getting what's called the uh, franchise tag. So you know, I want to definitely get into that first off for those of you who are listening and don't know what that term means. Essentially. Um, the tagging, they got uh, different tags. They have the exclusive franchise tag, the non-exclusive franchise tag, and the transitional the transition tag, where they basically get a one-year tenant offer for an amount no less than the average of the top five salaries of the player's position. Um, usually, um, they do that so that way they can keep them another year to work out a long-term deal or anything like that. Um, and a few notable players got tagged this past Monday, uh, including Des Bryant, we talked about earlier. So, Chill, my question to you is, who surprised, like, what um, what a player who got tagged surprised you the most, and what player that did not get tagged surprised you the most? Okay. The fact that, well, the Murray Tom. The Murray's Thomas didn't surprise me. There's Ryan getting his tag doesn't surprise me. The Patriots kicker getting franchise tag surprised me. I mean, over over Devin McCourney. I mean, doing it for real. 
mean, I mean that's how Belichick always been though. He doesn't care who comes and goes. If he feels that he can replace you, he will. I look, I mean, it's, I look, I I look at the situation like, wow. I didn't know. I mean, how often do you hear Kiki getting franchise tag? Hmm. I will tell you like this. I was surprised that I was surprised that Demarius got franchise tag somewhat because. I'd have thought that they would have um, already ironed out a long-term deal, especially after the news that came out of Denver today that um, that Peyton Manning restructured his contract to take a four million dollar pay cut, which gives them some more room. I'd have thought they'd at least, yeah. you know, made that deal, and they would have put the franchise tag on Julian on Julian Thomas. Um, but you know, again, that's kind of surprising. Now the kicker thing. That's a surprise, but at the same time, it is what it is because Stephen Gostowski's been a very – he's been one of those consistent kickers for the Patriots for a long time. Um, he's almost like the Morton – he's almost like a new-age Morton Anderson where he just – he goes in and he's clutch and he knows how to make those kicks. Now, not being said, I was surprised that um, Randall Cobb – that Randall Cobb was – and they didn't apply the franchise tag to him because again, he's got it all. He is such a he is such a shifty, awesome receiver. Um, but they didn't, you know, they didn't want they didn't want to keep him, even though they had the plenty of space under the cap. They didn't want to keep him. So honestly, I feel deep. I feel that he think that he's replaceable. I don't know, know about that. Because, I mean, <coughs> in the third game, he's he's deadly. He can kill you on the slot. He can kill you in the two. He can kill you on the. He can kill you on the reverse. So no matter how you look at it, like I mean, the fact that Randall Cobb will be walking. It didn't surprise me. I mean, it's Green Bay. I mean, look how. I mean, look look how. Look, I mean, look how. Look at the uh, Greg Jennings situation. I mean, Green Bay let him walk. He went to Minnesota and hasn't done zip. Maybe. Maybe the, maybe the Packers really know something that other teams don't know about Randall Paul. It's true. Um, it's crazy. Um, looking at you know, looking at the list of the people who got tagged. You know, Justin Houston out of KC got tagged. Um, that, but, I, I saw that comment. But, but he does. He's not going to sign it right away, even though the tag is. At thirteen point one nine five million, he's gonna hold. He, there's a talk that he's gonna hold out. Um, and then JPP, he got hit with the tag um, for fourteen point eight mil, trying to work out a long term deal with him. Um, Charles Clay of the Dolphins, the tight end, 
will receive seven seven million because he got the transition tag. Where um, whereas um, he it guarantees uh, Miami the right to a first right of refusal to match any offer the player may receive from another team. Um, so if someone else, you know, some Clay can sign an offer sheet with any team, but the Dolphins will have the right to match that contract. So you never know what could happen there. Uh, Honestly, this, I mean, it's like free, free agency hasn't even started yet. But it's been so, it's been already exciting. Yeah, I mean, Honestly, look at the trade. Justin Houston is not walking. I'm sorry. He, he, at the end of the day, he will be a Kansas City Chief. I mean, you got, you got teams interested in Brian and White folks. Honestly, I think the Skins should let him walk. Here's why. He's coming off back-to-back injury seasons. Ryan Kerrigan has already surpassed him as the best pass rusher on the team. Trent Murphy, under the right personnel, can be a monster. And the fact that Arakpo will be, I believe, 30 this year? I think about he'll be 29. I mean, he can't stay healthy. He's been injured from his whole career. He really, I mean, he really, he's stuck on his own, he's stuck in his own ways when it comes to learning techniques. I've heard stories where he didn't want to learn new techniques to, to be a better pass rusher. I mean, he's not great in coverage. I mean, I can go on and on. I mean, is this the guy that you want to really spend all that money on? No. For what? You have so many other needs. This guy is not even the best. It's not even your best defensive player, so why pay him as he is if he was? He's not even my best linebacker, so why would I pay him like he is? He wants to walk back. See, if the Falcons, the Jaguars, the Raiders will give him that money that he desires. I will let him walk for the simple fact that I'm trying to move on. I'm trying to build a solid defense. I'm not trying to re-sign you if you get hurt again. Then I have to I have to scrape and scratch trying to find someone to fill your slot. No, I rather get me. I rather have Trent Murphy. Possibly draft me another pass rusher. I'll just draft me another pass rusher in this year's draft because it's it's full of them. Why not? And have two potential pass rushers that could be deadly, covering that one weak side spot. I will say this: um, Buffalo may may want to have a service. Given the fact that they didn't put the franchise tag on their defensive lineman Jerry Hughes, who's averaged ten sacks at forty quarterback hurries in the last two years, and then there's a report that they're going to trade Kiko Alonso to Philly for Shady McCoy. So maybe that might be a landing spot for a Rackham right there is Buffalo. You know, Rex Ryan could use him in his in his defense. 
He should, but at the same time, I mean, another guy I would look at is my boy Jason Wells from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had a nice season. He's not injury prone. He's still young, and he can cover. He's only one of those guys that get overlooked. You got the other dude that came from the Baltimore Ravens. I can't Ravens. I can't think of his name right now, but he's getting a little hype. He's getting some hype behind him. I mean, it's for pass rushes and free agency. I mean, when I look at a Rifle, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's interesting. Buffalo is definitely trying to make some moves because you know it's the support that they want is shady, and then they also yeah, made a trade, which I that. think you reported on the group site that um, they went and traded, traded for for Matt Castle. Okay, uh, man. okay, the whole Matt Castle thing. Uh, I mean, you pretty much traded for another guy that is not a legitimate starter, who's not even really a short-term solution at quarterback. I mean, I look at him and I look at EJ. I mean, only my only question is, who is worse? I mean, Matt Harris, who had a, he had that breakout year in New England, but let's be real. He had Randy Moss to throw the ball to. He had a good offensive line. He had a good run game. He had a consistent system to be under. What has he done since? Right. You're very much right. I mean, that's what I said. I said they both suck. It's just that, you know, Castle's had more game experience um, out um, out in the NFL than, he had, than E.J. Manuel. And E.J. Manuel struggled pretty much his entire career, which is only, what, three seasons so far? This so, will be his third mean, season. Yeah, so maybe this is what they need. Maybe this is what they need. Maybe Castle can go in there and compete and make E.J. Manuel work to become a better quarterback to keep the spot. Honestly, if I'm the Buffalo Bills, I would also look into drafting a quarterback. Brett Hundley might be a good one. I mean, I was never a huge E.J. Manuel fan. I mean, even at Florida State, I mean, I thought he was highly overrated. And he was mediocre. Part. Hmm. I, I I will give Buffalo I'll give Buffalo credit for the, for the shady trade though. I don't know how, but you you managed to get rid. You managed to trade for one of the best running backs in the National Football League, and all you gave up was a linebacker that just came off an injury. All because he's a former Oregon Duck. What are your thoughts on this trade? Uh, I, I, the way I look at this trade on the Eagles side, it's definitely them giving, you know, making some room under the cap um, because it's obvious that with the moves they're making, trying to get under the cap, that they're waiting to make a big trade to get up to the top five in the draft, this coming draft, to get Marcus Mariota. I mean, it, the signs are there. And, um, oh, yeah, the writing is on the wall. 
Uh, yeah, the writing's definitely on the wall. I know Poetry, he had made the mention that there's a possibility they may stay where they are and hope that Mariota falls to them. I said it best. He ain't no. coming out of the top ten. Marcus Mariota's not coming out, is not falling out of the top ten at all. If anything, the furthest he'll fall is maybe 12 or 13 at the low, at the least. Other than that, he's not falling out of the top ten at all. So they got to get into the top ten. Hell, they got to get into the top five. If they even exactly. have one, have a chance of getting Marcus Mariota. And it's obvious from this from them trading Shady McCoy, who just who almost two and a half seasons, three seasons ago, was a, was a Russian champion. Obvious is this is a move to get more room under the cap. It's obvious. I mean, I can understand the whole. I can understand trying to get more room under the cap. But out of anything you had on your roster, you're telling me you couldn't trade anybody else. You had nobody else of trade value. I mean, how do you give up your best player, your best overall player? It, it, it wasn't even the fact that they got rid of him. It was the fact that they got nothing for him. No draft pick. No, shoot, no cash. I mean, nothing. No, nothing. Like, anything. Like, you gave away the cow for magic beans. Really? I mean, no draft picks. No conditional draft picks. Like, come on, Chip. Are you serious? Your hate for LaShawn might have been real, but come on now. You cannot. You cannot be that naive to trade that kind of player for Kiko Alonso. Hell, Madden wouldn't even let you make that trade. I'm this. I'm. 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 I'm serious. You cannot. Make, you cannot turn on your Madden, no matter what system you're playing on, and try to make that trade. Only way you're making that trade is if you're the Eagles. Like seriously. Come on now. Seriously, I mean. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I'm right there with you. There's one other, there's one other football note I wanted to get into, and then I definitely want to get into the Mark Manners. And that was the story you had posted about the uh, Australian rugby player who signed with the 49ers and is going to try to make the 49ers roster. Um, and I'm and I'm ready to give my reasons why he's not going to make the roster. But I want to, you know, hear your thoughts on, on that. Okay. So I look at this guy. 6'2", 226, runs a 4-5. He's one of the best rugby players that came out of Australia. Can he make an NFL roster? Yes. I've seen worse make an NFL roster. If you look at rugby and you look at football, what's, what's really the big difference? Football, they play with pads. Rugby, they don't. Football, 
their ball is a pink skin. Rugby, their ball is a tad bit bigger. The only difference I will say that the only disadvantage I will give rugby is the fact that most rugby players aren't known for their speed. I mean, I'm looking. I'm I'm looking at this guy. He runs a four five. How, I mean, I would I would look at other rugby players. I mean, how fast are they? I mean, can some of them even run a four nine? Like I said, I mean, he has a chance to make the roster. He he's shown that he could take hits without equipment on. That's what we can do if he puts on a pad. I'm not saying that he can't. Because, like I said, I've seen less get a chance in made rosters in the NFL. Heck, there's less in every draft. And they still get signed to somebody's team. Honestly, a lot of teams was trying to recruit this guy. Something that a lot of people don't know. A lot of teams are actually looking at this guy. You can't be a slouch with more than one team actually looking to sign you. So can he can he make a roster? I think he can. I mean, it's it's only for him. It, his roster spot is for him to lose. And you're right about that. I mean, you make valid points when it comes to. Uh, this guy and um, making uh, the roster and everything like that. Um, and for those who don't know, his name is uh, Jared Kane. He was one of the uh, most one of the best rugby players over in Australia. Now, here's my reasoning for why I don't think he will make the 53-man roster. Number one, yes. He ran a four point. He ran a four five three forty in a workout in December. He's six two two point six. He played in a sport where you get hit without pads, so it's obvious that if he had pads on, he would be a tough tack. He would be a tough person to bring down on your own. But my thing is, and I've watched rugby matches. The question to me, the question to me is, is that can what he did in Australian rules football translate? To American football, maybe he'll prove me wrong and say, yes, he can, but I just don't see it. And the second reason that he won't make the roster is he's trying to make the roster as a running back. Now, if San Francisco happens to re-sign Frank Gore, that's automatic he's not making the roster because you know he ain't going to supplant Frank Gore as a starting running back. But even if Frank Gore goes away and free, leaves, walks on, in free agency from San Francisco. Kane still has competition in that backfield with Kurt, with um, Carlos Hyde and Alfonso Smith. He's going to be right behind those two. Plus, you have to take into account um, anybody that they bring in either via the draft or anybody they bring in off the street or any college kids that, they, that go undrafted that they bring in. He's going to have a lot of competition trying to make the roster as a running back. Same thing with kick returner. They think that he might be a good, uh, an excellent kick returner, but he may have some competition in that too. 
So with all of that being said, that is why I have a feeling he won't make the fifty three. Now, he may make the practice squad. That's I'm giving I'll give him that. He may make the practice squad, but he won't make the fifty three at all. He won't make the fifty three. Now maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I just don't see it. Okay. I actually want to touch on this. Because, I mean, I think about it. I mean, even if Frank Gore does resign, they have Carlos Hyde. They have Alfonso Smith. However, I still think he has a good shot. I mean, if he if he's really, I mean, if he really does bring his style of play over to American football, Carlos Hyde, Alfonso Smith, don't stand a chance. We got this guy who who runs, who has good speed, that can break tackles. He's tall. I mean, that. I mean, he could be scary. I mean, he could really be the. He could be an older version of Melvin Gordon. I mean, that's yes. all I really want to touch on. I mean. Like I said, this will be interesting to watch. It will be. I mean, it will be great to see a rugby player come over here, try out for a team, and actually make the roster. That will be impressive. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be a starter right away. He might. He might be a third down back. You never know. That is true. He could be a third down back. But, you know, as always, we'll or just even, see what happens, you know? Or even if he doesn't make the 49ers, 49ers roster, there are other teams that could use a running back. This is true. This is true. I will say that. All right. So, so Chills, you know that we're now in the third month of the year. You know what that means, right? March Madness. That's right, March Madness. And um, I invited, for all y'all listening, I invited somebody to come in and, you know, hang out with us here in the Skybox to talk March Madness. Uh, So I got him on the line, so I want to bring him on. Uh, He is one of the hosts of of Triple Threat Talk that comes on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Very big sports enthusiast, big, um, really knowledgeable of March Madness. Kentucky fan. Um, most people know him as Gary, but I know him as the doctor. Doc, what's going on, my brother? Man, I am just looking outside at all kinds of snow. I think it's heading your old way, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Welcome <laughs> How are you doing South tonight? Park. You know us. We chilling. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You guys do great work over here, and uh, anytime I can, uh, anytime I can join you guys, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a pretty good night, I'd say. Oh, hey, welcome to the Skybox. Thank you very much. Thank you. So my first question to you, Doc. My first question to you, Doc, and I'm, you know, I gotta say, what you know, you're a big, you know, fan of the of the UK. That's right. You're a big fan of UK. Right now, they're undefeated. They're right. undefeated. Do you feel 
that they can run the table and become the first team to go undefeated and be national champions since UNLV. I do. Um, I think what they have is so unique and so rare. You know, you've got with, – with Kentucky right now, you've got the number one defense in the country, followed closely by Virginia. And I think what what the difference really is – as the defense of Virginia is kind of like it's kind of like a cobra, you know, like they kind of slowly suck the life out of you throughout the game. Whereas with Kentucky, you kind of get hit by that pit of vipers. You know, they hit you with Carl Anthony Towns. They can hit you with Dominic Cog- or with a uh, with a uh, Dakari Johnson. They can hit you with uh, they can hit you with Carl Anthony Towns. They can they can hit you from so many different directions. And you know, you've got Aaron Harrison, who's pretty much clutch from uh, from beyond the perimeter. You've got uh, Trey Lyles, uh, who 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 can run into who can run into lane just like nobody I've seen in college basketball. And you think and you've also got something there with Kentucky that that I think is very rare and not very much talked about. But I strongly believe that Tyler Eulis, you can make a case for Tyler Eulis being not only a great point guard, but even though he plays limited minutes because of the, the platoon system that they run at Kentucky, I honestly feel that Tyler Eulis is in the discussion for the best point guard in the country. Um, the offense for a freshman, when you have the Harrisons in there, you can see that offense be kind of sluggish. And, you know, Kentucky is not known as a great shooting team, but they get the job done because their defense is just so suffocating. You know, you've got those quick strikes of those Cobras in there. You know, block shot here, force the 25 or force the 35 shot clock there, uh, turnovers here. And, you know, I think that, you know, you almost have a harder time scoring on Kentucky sometimes than they have a than they than they do have a harder time getting uh, getting shots in the basket. And I think Tyler Eulis, when they have when that offense is stagnant, John Calipari has a tendency to put in uh, Tyler Eulis, and that really injects a shot of adrenaline uh, straight into the arm of that Kentucky team. And nine times out of ten, he's going to get that offense going. And I think that's what you look for in a fantastic point guard. So I honestly think that they can run the table, uh, that they can do this, and that, you know, they, according to BPI rankings, they have a 39.4% chance of going undefeated. I think that, uh, you know, I, I think i got to give them that 39.4%. I think, uh, I think I'd be inclined to take the under on that one. <laughs> mm. Interesting. So, Interesting. Yeah. So, um, Selection Sunday is coming up March the 15th um, after all the tournaments have been done and all the champions have been crowned and all the bids have been made. Um, so, March 15th. Now, we already know that even if Kentucky were to lose now or lose in the SEC tournament, they're guaranteed to be a number one seed um, going into the tournament. But my question to you is, who would be the other three teams that would garner number one seeds in this tournament? I think ACC this year is going to get two. I think uh, it's going to be, unless something drastic happens this weekend, it's probably going to be Virginia. And you're looking at Duke right now, who, by the way, is absolutely, as we are speaking, is absolutely manhandling Wake Forest. Uh, um, but I, I think for the fourth one, you can think outside the box a little bit. 
you know, you can you can strongly make a case for one of three teams to be that fourth one once again, depending on the uh, events of this weekend. I think you can look at Gonzaga. I think you can look at Wisconsin, and I think you can look at currently who Joel Lenardi has as number four, and I have to agree with him right now is Villanova. But given you know the the matches the matchups that are coming up this weekend, I think that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be out of the question for Gonzaga to go ahead and reclaim that, especially uh, when you look at their when they, you look at their rank against the BPI. I think that you know that their losses are um, that their losses are okay. You know you've got St. Mary's that they lost to, and he, they are. I think they're going to come out of the conference uh, and be part of the conference championship. I think I think they're going to get two out of that conference. And, you know, St. Mary's, when you look at it, is not a bad loss for Gonzaga, um, especially in the hostile road environment. So I think uh, I think that's the – I think that you can make a case for those three. I right now would strongly be leaning towards uh, towards Villanova, but once again, if – if one of those three were going to uh, to debunk them, I would say it would be Gonzaga. Interesting. And you're saying that Virginia, Kentucky, Gonzaga, and Duke will be number one seeds for the tournament. That's right. Like I said, that. That depends. Right now, my right now my fourth number one is Villanova. But like I said, with the caveat that if Gonzaga does well this weekend, if they win, and uh, something something could happen in the VPI strike. For example, Kansas right now is ranked number one in the VPI poll, even though Kentucky destroyed them earlier in the year, beating them by thirty points. There's no way Kansas should be any number in the VPI poll other than uh, other than out of the top ten. However. If something like that were to happen, you know, you can make numbers fit any scenario. If Gonzaga wins this weekend and wins convincingly, they could reclaim their number one, especially with two losses. Um, but right now, I am leaning towards I am leaning towards Villanova. But if if Gonzaga wins convincingly this weekend, is pretty much what I'm saying. I would have to replace Villanova with Gonzaga and have them go in. Now, if both teams lose, Wisconsin has got it hands down. And they said the last game of the year coming up is a good one uh, for Virginia. It's going to be Virginia and U of L. Louisville, who lost earlier tonight to a strong Notre Dame team, 71 to 59, at the Yum Center. So you'd think that right now Louisville, even with with the loss of Chris Jones earlier this month uh, for uh, the allegations of rape, um, I think that um, I think that you're looking at a Louisville team that can they've got they've got a lot of people that can help uh, on the prim or uh, run the point guard. They've got Quentin Snyder who's put together some great runs, um, and you've got Shaquan Aaron, who who can really hit the ball from the perimeter. And, you know, of course, you've got Montrez Harrell, who a lot of people had in their wooden watch list uh, as the best player in college basketball for a while. And now uh, as the scouting reports are coming out for these kids on Kentucky, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Willie Cauley-Stein are rapidly approaching that number one on the wooden. And then, of course, you've got the number one player a lot uh, that people really think right now, and I, I – in this category, I think it's hard to I think it's hard to beat Jaleel Okafor out uh, from Duke. I think that he is a phenomenal post player. I think that you're gonna you're gonna have to have a big body like someone like Carl Anthony Towns to block him out in the tournament. That makes me think that the two turn that the two teams that are most dangerous, especially with the way Duke can shoot the ball, are Kentucky and Duke in this tournament. Uh, but I think hands down, Kentucky is the fan the the, the odds on favorite to win the tournament right now. 
Okay. I mean, right. honestly, I, I I can't disagree with that. I mean, right now this is I mean this Kentucky this Kentucky team is looking better than a Kentucky team that actually won it all a couple of years ago. Like, I don't know. It's like I just see I just see this I see this team more dominant. I mean that I mean the way that defense is just suffocating its opponents. Like, you can't really you really can't say nothing bad about it. No, you you, you, like you can't just, really. You just sit back. You just sit back and watch them. That's right, they get themselves into the situations like they did last night against Georgia at Georgia. You know, you have a hostile, uh, a hostile environment. You know, with a very well coached Mark Fox team. I mean, they're you know Georgia's not your typical SEC powerhouse when it comes to basketball. Traditionally, yeah, that's that. been Kentucky, Tennessee, and Florida, and sometimes Vanderbilt, depending on the year, but. You know, Georgia, though, you know, let's not forget a few years ago did win the SEC tournament outright, and they were they had no hope of making the tournament. So there is a little bit of magic when it comes to Georgia teams. Uh, you know, Georgia is never beaten and never truly beaten, at least. And, you know, you, you see what they did last night to Kentucky. They had Kentucky on the ropes until about four minutes to go in that game when Carl Anthony Towns and Marcus Lee were able to kind of rally the troops a little bit and you had Andrew Harrison start lighting it up from the perimeter. That's what it takes. You know, when you look at this Kentucky team, you see a lot of things, like you said a second ago, you see a lot of things that they don't do wrong. But And I think one of the things that they do wrong, that they shouldn't do, is you know, in no other team in history have I seen this. Not even the, not even the UNLV team. Never have I seen a team that will play down to the competition so much so that it can be dangerous. You know, because and what I mean by that is, uh, the the game before last, they played this. They played an incredibly talented Arkansas team, uh, 18th in the country, and you know they. They they destroyed Arkansas. You know, it's almost like they knew they had the possibility to lose. They went out and they took care of business. They look at someone that, like Georgia, you know, seventh or eighth in the SEC. They've got a real shot to – they've got a great chance to win that game. They know they've got a great chance to win that game. I think they look down at their competition and just like, eh, it's Georgia. But you know what? Eh, it's Georgia almost beat you last night. And that's the thing you have to look out for. Very true, very true. I got one one more question for you in terms of March Madness now. A lot of people know that I'm a fan of the Maryland Terrapins. Terps are in their first year in the Big Ten in basketball, and right now they're actually second in the Big Ten with a 13-4 record, and they're actually ranked 10th in the nation at 25-5. and five. Now, we all know the Terps are going to make the, the tournament because of how successful they are. How deep do you think the Terps can? How deep do you think the Terps will go in the NCAA tournament? Here's the thing that you have to worry about. Here's the thing that anybody has to consider when you're talking Big Ten ball. Big Ten basketball is traditionally the best basketball conference in the country. Um, you know, you've, you've always got a toss-up between them and the ACC. This year is an off year in the fact that the Big Twelve is the best college basketball conference in the country. So. When, when I look at the Terrapins, you know they're twenty-five and five overall. Uh, they're you know they're coming off of uh, they're coming off of a solid win against Scar against the uh, Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, they won by ten points at at Rutgers. You know so that's a good win on the road. You know and like I said, it's a Big Ten. You know they've got one more matchup on the road coming up in Nebraska on Sunday. I think that they've got um, that they've got a fantastic shot of winning that matchup. 
Maryland, I think, if you if you look at everything that they go, depending on their draw, right now I would seed Maryland probably a three or a four seed, and I would seed them. I would probably seed them in the Midwest. So they're probably going to be in Kentucky's bracket. Um, so you're probably going to look at Maryland playing Kentucky right now if everything holds. Probably that third or that fourth game, and I give them that. I think I think that they can get to that Kentucky game, but I'm sorry, I, I don't see anybody on Maryland. I mean, Maryland, I don't think can compete with Kentucky. You know, all it takes though is one night. That's the good thing about uh, the great the great Jimmy V said. You know, uh, survive in advance. You know, it just takes that one night, that one night, and. I think uh, Kentucky cashed in their one night last night, <laughs> giving everybody in the state of Kentucky a heart attack. But, you know, you never know what can happen in March Madness. We've seen the last few years 15 seeds beating two seeds. And, of course, it won't be that extreme. But talent-wise, and to the nation, it would truly be a David and Goliath matchup. But I think Maryland would definitely would definitely at least get to that game against Kentucky. So I see them being a Sweet 16 or Elite 18, depending on where the, where the committee seeds them. Yeah, I mean, interesting. I mean, interesting because, I mean, this is the best I've seen Marlon play in a long time. Hands down. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, I, I will say this. This is the best Marlon squad I've seen since the 2002 squad that won the national championship. Exactly. This squad could actually match up against that squad. But here's the thing that, here's the thing that you have to look at when you look at Maryland though, you know, the, the only team, uh, let's, let's take comparison sake for Kentucky. Okay. When you have Kentucky, the only team that's taller in all of basketball right now is the Portland trailblazers. You know, that's a pro team. That's the only team that's taller on average in the University of Kentucky. You know, Maryland is nowhere in that category. You know, you just can't – there's one thing that they say in basketball you can't teach. You can't teach height. And I think that's that suffocation. You know, that's that quick strike that they're that they're getting you with. You know, they're sucking the life out of you with their quick strikes. I Do I think they would crush Maryland? Absolutely not. I think that you'd be looking, you know, in that – in this – in this cast scenario, I think Maryland would stick with them for about three out of four quarters, and then they would just start slowly start running out of gas. And that's you know three out of four quarters is a lot better than most teams have have stuck it out with Kentucky this year. I think you have to look for Gonzaga and Duke uh, to really to really maybe have a chance to beat Kentucky because it's been said that you have to put up 23s to beat Kentucky this year, and I believe that. And I think when you look at the perimeter shooting of Tyus uh, at Duke and you look at at the great perimeter shooting Gonzaga, especially by Kyle Wilcher, I think you have a great shot of, you know, either one of those teams has a great shot of hitting 15 to 23s, you know, in one game, in one game, you know, it's not a, it's not something that you do game after game after game. If someone hit 15 to 23s each game, that'd be incredible. But I think that both of those teams have a great shot to do it once. And if they do it once, they better hope it's against Kentucky at March Madness. Well, there you go. Well, you hey, Doc, I, got, I, got, hey, Doc, I got one more question for you before we let you go. Um, you probably heard me and me and Chills talking about the the rugby players who signed with the Forty ers and your Forty ers fan. Do you foresee him making the fifty three man roster? No, I don't. Here's why. I think uh, Phil Dawson 
is just, you know, he was your clutch guy. You know, you don't want to get that reputation. Uh, San Francisco the last couple of years has gotten a reputation of, you know, being a revolving door of kickers. I don't think that that's the scenario that they want to find themselves in. I think you stick with Phil Dawson. You know, he did fantastic last year. Uh, um, I, I think this is a publicity stunt because this will definitely raise heads, especially from rugby fans. You know, and I think um, I think that as long up until preseason, as long as they have him on the roster, you're going to have interest. And I think it's fantastic too because you have so many events coming into Levi Stadium. You know, this year WrestleMania is coming to Levi Stadium, so you know you've yep. got several you've got several international events coming to Levi Stadium, and you want you want those heads turned. And I think that that. Just the thought that this guy could make the roster is kind of a head-turning event. And, you know, I think that's what the Niners are doing. They're very smart in doing this, but ultimately I don't believe he makes the roster. There you go. Heard it from from what, what from an actual fan. Well, yeah. Doc, thank you very much for coming on. And thank you for calling in. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you. Definitely appreciate yep. you, and hopefully we can, you know, get you back on later on when the tournament actually gets started to, you know, some analysis and things like that if you're, if you're available. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you all for having me on. I had fun, and uh, you guys have a great rest of the show. You guys do great work, and keep it up. All right, guys? All right. Thanks, Thank you. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. Oh, that was interesting. Once again, that was the doctor. He is one of the, he's one third of Triple Threat Talk, which is on Blog Talk Radio. Great show, and uh, you know appreciate him give, showing us some love here in the skybox. Now I can't wait for March Madness. I really can't. This will be awesome. Oh, this gonna be exciting. It's gonna be awesome. I mean. It's going to be especially crazy. Especially Buffalo especially Wild Wings are going to be packed for some unknown reason. But it's going to be crazy. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Now, oh, and now it is March, so not only we talk about March Madness, we can also talk about spring training. Yay! Uh-oh. The champ is excited. That time of the year again. Major League Baseball begins for spring training. That's the spring training. Woo! Spring training. All those exhibition games is coming. Oh, it was one thing I wanted to do, but I'm going to let you go ahead and get into spring training real quick. All right, yep. Spring training is, is now in full effect. They had the pitchers and catchers already report. Now full teams have reported. Um, you got teams coming out of the Grapefruit League in Florida, which is mostly uh, East Coast teams for the most part. And then the Cactus League is mostly uh, West Coast team. Um, and so, basically, spring training, um, the pitchers and catchers uh, reported for various teams in um, early to mid-February. Um, the first uh, full squad workout for certain, some teams came took place basically last week. And um, we have the first... The first um, the first spring training games for some of the, some some teams, including the Baltimore Orioles, was actually yesterday, and they'll be having you know they'll be having those spring training games in different parts. Um, the one unique thing about them, as opposed to like preseason and other sports, is they do what's called split 
squad games where you have one squad, your main squad, playing one team, and then you have another squad playing another team, and they get evaluated that way to determine who's going to make the opening day roster and who's going to end up in the minor leagues, getting you know, preparing themselves to be um, in the B in a major league. Um, and all of this will lead up to April the fifth, where that'll be when the Major League Baseball season kicks off with the Cardinals versus the Cubs. And then April the 6th is when it's opening day for everybody. And it's a 162-game marathon for all these teams. And I'm looking forward to seeing if the Nationals can repeat as NL East champions again and make a deeper run in the um, in the playoffs. And the same yeah, thing with the Orioles. I would hope so. I'm hoping that the Orioles will make a deep run and um, will once again become the um, AL East champions and make another and make a deep run as well. And I get and I get swept by the uh, Kansas City Warriors in the ALCS. Exactly. But like, man, if if the Kansas City Warriors come out this season the way they finished last year, this might be their year. I mean, not only they made the playoffs for the first time in 29 years, they barely get into the playoffs. They sweep the top two seeds. And they take the San Francisco Giants to seven games. Seven games. If they can build on that momentum from last season, this is the year. Nothing against San Fran. They've been they've been a hot team over the past five years. I mean, they won three out of the last five World Series titles. But I think this Kansas City Chiefs team to come back, they'll be the one team that will knock them off their throne. I mean, it should be interesting, though. I mean, I, I want to see the Orioles in NASCAR going to look like, though. Would they be better from Would they be better from a year before, or would they decline? We'll see what happens. I mean, the, you know, the last year's World Series champions, they'll be gun, they'll be everybody's be gunning for them. But one thing about baseball, especially major league, is that it's it's it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So they got to be able to get through that 162 games, yeah. that dog, the dog days right. of summer. All that stuff in order right. to get to right. the chance to be World Series champion. And the Giants have been destroying people in that marathon. <laughs> yep. They've been the, they've been the real they've been the dominant team for the past shoot five years. I mean, come on now, three World Series World, World Series titles in the past five. I mean, what can, I mean, what can you say? Here's another story I want to touch on though. Um. Boxing legend and former World Heavyweight Champion Muhammad Ali was hospitalized earlier this week. He was treated for a severe urinary urinary tract infection. It was the first. It was the second time that he's been hospitalized in the past four months. I mean, four weeks. 
prayers out to the greatest of all time in his family. Get well soon, champ. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I'm, you know, also, I'm hoping and praying that you know he get through this. Also, um, I'm, this is a story I wanted to actually start. I wanted to start the show off with, but I, it kind of uh, went over my head. Mm-hmm. I want to say rest in peace to the late Anthony Mason. For those who don't know who Anthony Mason was, he was he was one of the most defensive-minded powerful of his era. People didn't recognize him as that, but if you actually watched him play, he was a great defender. He he spent time with the New York Knicks, the Charlotte Hornets, the Orlando Magic, just several teams. I mean, just a few teams to name. Rest in peace. He died at the age of 49, 48. Yeah, definitely. Rest in peace to Anthony Mason. And, you know, all you guys out there, if your girl's a, a sports fan and she doesn't know who Anthony Mason is, she's too young for you, bro. Uh, Anthony, I don't know. Definitely had a Yeah, I mean, it's. Well, technically, I mean, it's females our age that don't know who Anthony Mason is, so. You know, you make a valid point. I'm just saying, I mean, I mean, Anthony Mason wasn't a known basketball player. You had to really watch basketball to know who he was. Right. Right or right. You want to touch on a little bit of wrestling? Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, we can touch on a little bit of wrestling. Um, so everybody knows the Royal Rumble's coming out. Doctor Doc actually mentioned it while he was on talking about uh, the 49ers that you know WrestleMania 31 is coming to Levi Stadium coming up in um, in late March, like later this month on the 29th, and everybody knows what the main event is. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I want to sleep. I want to. I want to sleep just like that. <laughs> I, and I, I mean, everybody, everybody keeps saying, "How do you feel about that main event?" And you just gave your feeling right there. Honestly, it's like people say you should give it a chance, but I mean, you already know what the match is going to be like. I mean, example: look at the promo series. You have two guys who are not known to talk, who are not great on the mic, who are not known for their mic skills. So Paul Heyman's going to really do double duty to really sell this match. This match was doomed from the start. One, Roman Reigns is not ready, point blank. He's not ready for the spotlight. He's not ready to be, at this point, Roman Reigns is not, not ready to be U.S. champion. You trying to rush and force him onto the WWE fans, and right now you're not. I mean, the outcome is looking real ugly. He's messing up on promos. His ring work is sloppy. Believe that. I'm sorry. They instead of grooming Roman to be that main event. Main eventer, WWE rushed him to be something that he's not yet. 
I'm not saying that he doesn't have the potential to be it. Honestly, I'm not sold. I think he's going to be this boring, stiff guy for the rest of his career. I mean, but, I mean, it's like the WWE is trying to force him on us, opposed to letting him develop. They broke up the shield too soon. And you're seeing the effects of it. Only one that really looks strong is Dean Ambrose to me. I mean, Seth Rollins has his moments, but it's like him as a heel is just not working for me. I mean, Reigns without the shield, he has nothing. I mean, he's. I mean, look at him. He's still wearing his same outfit that he had when he was with the shield. He's still coming through, coming out with the shield's music. He's still coming through the audience like the shield did. How can you? try to transition this guy from the shield to the main event but you still got him stuck in the shield. I mean, it's cool that you want to make him a main eventer. Groom him first. Make sure he's ready. Give him some good acting coaching. Have him, have someone help him with his promo. Have him add a few moves to his move list. Work on his ring presence. Make him more work on him. Help him work on his ability to sell moves. Have him practice working on his spear because his spear looks like some garbage. I never seen every time I've seen a spear, I never seen someone spear someone in their chest. How I feel about the main event. I feel like I feel like WWE completely dropped the ball. Like I mean, this is going to be possibly the worst WrestleMania. This the worst WrestleMania ever. This main event might be the worst main event ever since North Televers Bam Bam Bigelow WrestleMania 11. Oh shit! I forgot about that one. <laughs> I forgot that was the main event. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That match was. I don't even want to talk about it. And, I mean, it's like I can't be too mad at LT because he was a retired football player that was, you know, still covering some drugs. I mean, that was still uh, doing that stuff. But I'm sorry. This could possibly be the worst match ever. Not the worst WrestleMania match, but the worst match ever. The buildup is already stale. The fact that Brock isn't at raw as much is hurting the main event. The fact that you have Roman who's struggling on his own is hurting your main event. I'm sorry. You don't have the you don't have the main event talent to carry this match. I do find it funny you said this versus Michael Cole. A re, WrestleMania rematch will be more interesting than this main event. Well, I kind of find it funny you said this could be the worst WrestleMania ever when people seem to forget WrestleMania 2000. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bomb on that one. Hold on, oh, no, wait. Was it the, that, wait, wait. What year did we have TLC? 2000 or 17? 2001. Okay, that was 17. Okay. 
WrestleMania, yeah, you're right. WrestleMania 2000 was some garbage. I mean, you had the main event, what was it? The Rock versus Triple H versus Mick Foley versus The Big Show with a McMahon in every corner. Oh. That was still better than Roman Reigns versus Rock. The only match, the only match on WrestleMania 16 that was actually good was the triple threat um, tables match for the tag titles. That was the only good match on that card. Everything else was just like, what? Hold on, hold on. Who did? Hold on. Wasn't that? Wasn't it, What about the uh, Kurt, Kurt, the Kurt Angle match? Oh yeah, that was a good match too. I will say that. Kurt Angle it was, lost it was a triple, it was a triple, because of Benoit yeah, and Jericho. Yeah, it was a triple threat. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah it was Benoit and Jericho. Because Jericho lost the European title the next night to Eddie Guerrero. That's when China turned on him. Yeah, but that yeah, was I mean, that, that was an entertaining good. match. It was a good match. Was good. The, the, the bad part about that match was the fact that Kurt Angle wasn't on the deciding end of both losses. Right. Right, no, I, yeah. But other than those two matches we just named, the rest of that card was just like, I don't even remember half the matches that were on that card. I don't even. Uh, honestly, that might be the, that might be the one WrestleMania that's forgettable. Try to think, which, what was another WrestleMania that was horrible? Was it 10? I don't know. But I mean, honestly, last year's WrestleMania wasn't that great. But it wasn't horrible. It wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't I don't remember the last. What was the last great WrestleMania? Huh? What was the last great WrestleMania? The last great WrestleMania. Damn. I actually got to think about that one because I'm not sure. This is WrestleMania that have been like okay, like yeah, you know that's that's nice. I mean, there are but, I mean, WrestleMania so, that are just stand out. You're right, it hasn't man. But I'm, I mean, I'm glad we're actually on the we're on the topic of wrestling now. Um, I I actually posted something earlier today. I think it was 20 things that WWE should bring back. One of the things that stood out to me was the fact that they need to they need to bring in ECW and WCW pay-per-views. Instead of having PLC and Money in a Bank and Elimination Chamber, Hell in a Cell, Fast Lane, bring in some of the most popular pay-per-views from the two companies that you bought out. ECW, Living Dangerously, great pay-per-view. November to remember, WCW, bring back the Great American Badge. Bring back Starcade. Yes. I'm trying to think what else they had. I mean, Fall Brawl, even maybe Halloween Havoc. Bash at the beach. <laughs> I want. I, I will leave Bash at the beach out. <laughs> but I'm. I'm just. I'm just saying though. I mean, 
What was the purpose of you have you buying them out and you're not going to use it? Use what you bought. It's like their main reason was to buy them out than to bury them. Plus, you showing all these classic matches from ECW and WCW. You got fans who don't know what was Starcade like. You got fans who don't know the importance of Starcade. You don't know the. You got fans who don't know why ECW was what ECW was. All these young fans know are letters. They don't know why these pay-per-views were great, why these promotions were great, what made these promotions stand out, why WWE had to go head-to-head against these promotions. By bringing these promotions back and pretty much reliving whatever history that they had, bringing back their importance will help you sell their own the other promotions on the network. Another thing, mm-hmm. you should bring my King of the Ring. The yes, King of the Ring tournament. Yes, yes. Make that an yes. entire pay-per-view where you actually have the entire tournament. I'm just saying. Yes. And not only that, but if you're going to bring back the King of the Ring, make the, the prize for winning the King of the Ring the same as it used to be. They get a title match at SummerSlam. At SummerSlam, honestly, they should. Have, I mean, that's how it should be set up. You win a Rumble, you get a shot at you get a shot at WrestleMania. You win the King of the Ring, you get a shot at SummerSlam. You win at Fall Brawl or whatever, you get a title shot at Starcade. That's how I would do it. Why not? Yeah, I agree. I mean, just something to think of, WWE. Why you at it? Get rid of that uh, Divas title because it, it, it's disrespectful. I mean, it make, it makes your Divas division more of a joke than what it already is. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, you know, they ain't going to listen to us. That's why I, I need to win the lottery so I can buy that place. It's like I buy WWE with ticket. <laughs> Man, I don't, I, don't, I don't even think I can write a. I don't think I can write a letter. I don't think I got it in. Oh man, we got four minutes left. What haven't we covered yet? Oh, shout out to Tim Duncan. He just, tonight he became nice on the NBA all-time rebounding list. He passed Nate Thurman. Sammy, big fundamental. Congrats. Let's see. Peyton Manning agrees to the pay cut. You talked about that. Oh, man. I know you've seen the picture of Prince playing basketball. I posted a pic of... It was a pick of Prince when he was in junior high school. He was on the basketball team. Hello? Hello? But, yeah, I mean, it was like I saw the picture, and the first thing I thought was game blouses. Like, I mean, I bought that laughing because it was like Sam Prince with this big afro, very little facial hair. Posing with the with the basketball, it was like 
first thing I thought was game blouses. The David the Dave Chappelle skit when he did Prince playing basketball against Charlie Murphy. I mean, maybe Dave, maybe Dave Chappelle was hip to something that nobody else was. Right. And the San Antonio are officially the best team in NBA history. They have won 15 straight. They have 15 straight 51 seasons. Making making them the winningest team in NBA history. No one has a better win percentage than the San Antonio Spurs. I mean that streak might be on a lot might be in danger this year, but I don't see it. I still think the Spurs will get the 50, 50 wins. I mean they have thirty six so far. Tonight will probably be thirty seven. But they can still do it. I mean this is a team that you do not count out, especially when the playoffs are on the line. They still have they still have the power to repeat as champions. Well, that remains to be seen. Well, getting that time for yep. the show, my brother. It's time to run it is. Down. It is. Wow, Friday. Catch an all-new episode of His and Her. That show was hosted by Poetry Don't Say Diva, the Bishop Eddie King, Almond Joy Free. That show is at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Monday, catch an all-new episode of our newest show, The Hangout. For all my guys who are like anime, comics, movies, video games, Gadgets, this show is for you. Join Poetry. The Extreme. The Extreme Angel. The Bishop Eddie Long. Eddie King. Why you saying Long? <laughs> join, them as, uh, join them every Monday at 9 p.m. 8 p.m. Central. Wednesday. You have the live sports show on Blog Talk Radio. Every Wednesday night, come join me, Chills, DC's People's Champ, Almond Joy, on a skybox, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central. This has been another great episode of the Skybox. This is your boy, Chills. We, we signing out. Say goodbye, Champ. And this is DC's People's Champ. We signing off. Also, happy birthday to the bishop. You know, his birthday was this week, so happy birthday to him. Oh, yeah. Listen, what it do? Happy birthday. And since Alma Joy wasn't here tonight, nobody got to worry about her asking what that winky do. <laughs> hey. We out. We out. We out. I got a million ways to get it. Shoes one. Shoes one. Hey, bring it back, bring it back. Now double your money and make it stack. I'm on to the next one. On to the next. I'm on to the next one. On to the next. I'm on to the next one. On to the next. I'm on.